I need to understand this stuff. It's not about selling houses. It's, you know, it is about the financials. It is about strategy. It's about having, you know, a plan. I can't just sell another three houses and that's going to fix my problems because another problem will, you know, pop up and I've got to be prepared for that. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. We're proud to present Courageous Conversations, a podcast series focusing on the tough decisions people have made to put themselves on a pathway to success. This episode is brought to you by Connect Now, who makes the business of moving easier for both you and your clients. For more information, visit connectnow.com.au. Please welcome your host, Leanne Pilkington. Hi everyone, Leanne Pilkington for the latest edition of Courageous Conversations and with me is my very good friend all the way from Queensland, please don't tell me the sun's shining up there, um, is Hayley Vanderven. Hey Hayley, how are you? Hello darling and I have bad news for you, it is shining and it is a beautiful day today which is so nice. Oh, I'm, I'm really starting to think I need to be one of those um, people that have moved out of the southern states up to Queensland so will you give me a job if I head up your way? Absolutely, and I know a few real estate agents that will help you out too. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Now, you own how many offices up in Queensland? Four. Four. How long have you been in the industry? It's now my 20th year. So I started when I was 17 at the front desk of an office uh, in reception. And, yeah, I'm <clears throat> just about to turn 38. Oh, you poor old thing. Bless. It was actually very interesting. We were at a, um, a leadership um, session not that long ago and, um, and we asked the question, stand up if you started your career on reception. And that's where I started my career as well, right? Um, and there were so many of the, the female business owners in the room that actually started that way. I think it really made all of the blokes sit back and look around and go, oh, Actually, I wonder, I wonder what talent I've got right in front of me that I'm just disregarding at the moment. That's actually such a good point because you think about it and, you know, like you think my receptionist could be a business owner in 10 years' time or 20 years' time or, you know, and be an absolute force. I know I know lots of people that started on reception, but it's still one of my favourite places to sit when I'm in the offices. Yeah. Um, I always get a little bit of a double take as the salespeople walk past and they're like, what are you doing on reception? Um, but it's such a great hive of activity and you get a real pulse for what's happening in the office with what's happening on the reception desk, right? Totally. And you also um, get a, a very quick understanding of the challenges as well because re the receptionist is the one that deals with the aggressive initial phone calls and people that aren't happy and complaints and all of that sort of stuff. So that's always, yeah, it is, it's a great place to be. I don't know how they do it sometimes. It's funny how they can scream and yell at the receptionist, but by the time they get to you, they're very calm, cool and collected and can articulate their, their frustration a little bit clearer. Well, yeah, that and the fact that they're not game enough to, um, to abuse the, um, the people in positions like ours, right? Yeah, that's actually probably true. Yeah, I can't remember the last time someone was brave enough to yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talk me through your business ownership journey. So I was working at Remax Corporate, um, selling franchises for Queensland in 2014. Um, and I had my first son while I was uh, in that role. So I went on maternity leave. And when I came back to work, I realized that it's probably not practical for me to have a five-month-old 
um, at home and still be traveling as much as that role required. So at that time, um, there were some wonderful opportunities in our group with different succession plans and people that were wanting to retire in their businesses. And I was lucky enough to strike up a relationship with um, the business owner or the old business owner of our Morningside office, um, which I purchased in 2016. Now she's still with the business. She's a, you know, $2 million plus writer uh, wow. in this business. Um, and yeah, it's been such a fabulous, um, crazy, lots and lots of learning ride, but that was my first one that I purchased in 2016. And um, the others, have they been, the other three, have they been purchased or have they been grown organically? So Mackay was an organic startup. Um, yeah. We just had a small rent roll there and it kind of, and it sounds ridiculous to say it grew on its own accord because obviously, you know, it took a lot of effort. But when you look at it, you just think that place runs on the smell of an oily rag. It's just got the most incredible salespeople. They're just, oh, they're just such a beautiful office. And um, yeah, and, and it's, it's obviously 1,500 kilometres away from me. So it's, um, you know, once a month I'm up there spending time with the team. Um, and yeah, we're just very lucky to have attracted the type of people we have in that business. And that's the only reason it could succeed with kind of the mothership being so far away. Um, and then last year we purchased another two. That was another succession plan within the Remax group. Um, the business owner had had that business for, I think, 20 odd years and um, he was ready to retire. So we purchased those two offices and, you know, inherited that culture, extra 18 people and, oh, sorry, an extra 18 salespeople. And I think, an extra maybe 40 people and overall. So it was, yeah, really great merger. And, um, yeah, it's taken a year to settle it all, but now we're just one big happy family, which is nice to have one big dream team. Absolutely. Um, and so how close are the, obviously you've got one office that's far away, how close are the other three offices to each other? Uh, within half an hour of each other. So we've got one inner city east side yep. um, in Brisbane and then, you know, 15 minutes down the road in Alex Hills and another 15 minutes down the road in Cleveland. So we kind of go from the bridge to the bay side out in Brisbane. And why do you think it's important to have physical offices in those locations rather than just, you know, have your um, all your support in one place? I'm actually quite an advocate of super offices. Um, Morningside has always been like a hub office where it supported people in many different geographic locations. So even though our results business in Morningside in Brisbane is what, well, it was about 25 agents, only one or two of them actually worked in the suburb that we that we were located and the others were all in surrounding suburbs um, and certainly from a recruitment perspective when I was recruiting people in different areas I was always mindful of recruiting people that were not direct competition all the time to the existing agents that we had so it was kind of being able to spread my wings quite um, you know wide and you know because to me you know, and our models may be a little bit different. We kind of attract um, high-performing agents that run their own businesses. Yeah. And, you know, they, you know, some of them work from home, some of them work from the office, some of them work from cafes. They just run, you know, and many of them, multi-million dollar businesses, um, you know, not sitting in a conventional space. Mm, yeah, it's really interesting the way that the um, industry is evolving um, yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Um, now, I have to um, talk to you about that beautiful um, Tiffany um, basketball you've got behind you. I can't say that I've – I actually bought a tennis ball when I was at Tiffany's in New York, but I can't say I've seen a basketball before. Um, why? 
why. Um, I'm quite a competitive person by nature, um, but I've always been, um, I've always played netball competitively as well. And so I think team sports is just one of those things that aligns so beautifully with high performing businesses. Um, and I guess when I kind of, when I came across that ball, I just thought to myself, wow, you know what? Um, for me, that it, it's got so much significance. Uh, one, because it's a beautiful thing that was actually a really great reward for me for kind of getting through COVID. And I'm a big like incentive and reward person for myself personally. Like I'll set a target, a big hairy audacious goal and have, you know, a cool prize at the end of it, um, which is kind of my celebration. But for me, it really signifies getting through, you know, the um, almost like the trauma of COVID for business owners initially. Like you think about when COVID hit, and every small business owner went, oh, my God. Yeah. Didn't matter how confident you were on the outside. Yeah. On the inside, you were in the war room and you were figuring out exactly what your strategic plan was going to be through, you know, getting through this, you know, what your different leverage points were to, you know, better your business, how you were going to invest during COVID to get out the other side. And and for me, um, that's kind of what it signifies. And I don't touch it very often and I definitely don't bounce it. <laughs> it cannot touch the floor no do not bounce my ball um, <laughs> but no I actually don't actually think I've seen anyone else touch it either which is hilarious um but yeah for me it really just did signify you know the kind of getting through that space and often when I'm making a difficult decision I'll kind of walk the floor and like be you know like have it within my hands um and I you know it's just it's a weird thing I guess you know it's almost like a what's the word um it signifies something for me and and really for me it's just about that journey you know and it's it's kind of like that first step and it's almost like a trophy piece for me of like oh we, yep we got through that and if we can get through that and we can get through our business journey up to this point we can get through anything and that is so important to remember right because people will look at people like you um you're young you're gorgeous you've got two young children as well so you're juggling four offices and what the best part of a hundred people, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, it must be, um, it must be easy for her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely not. Um, but in saying that, you know, I feel like that's the, um, you know, that's the choice that you make because everything is hard. You know, and I don't think that I think we all experience that in our lives as well. Um, the choices that we make are always, you know, there's always hard choices to be made. And everyone's seen the memes on Instagram that being broke is hard. You know, making money is hard too. Um, being fat is hard, but so is, you know, being in shape. You know, so there's all of those things that you're like, you get to choose your hard. And I really feel like although that's cliche. I love that. You get to choose your hard. Yeah. And you, you really do, you know, and I think for me, um, you know, like I've got really big, hairy, audacious goals that, you know, and everybody's been in those situations where they're like, oh, well, you, you'll never make it. Or, you know, you've always been told that you can't do this or you can't do that or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. And you just get to choose. That's the beauty. Of, and that's the beauty of being an adult, right? You make your own choices. Yeah, that's exactly right. I love being told what I should and shouldn't do. Mm, me too. There's yeah. really... No, no better way to poke the bear. Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly the same. Don't shoot me. Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to, actually, you've got a lot of high-performing um, salespeople in your business. How do you manage high performance? I really love um, that high-performance culture. 
And one of the things that I probably um, that I enjoy so much about high performers is that you don't have to teach them how to sell real estate. And I think in the early years of having the business, like back in 2016, I invested so emotionally in green agents, trying to teach them how to list and sell. And then when they didn't succeed, I took it personally. I was like, but I've done everything. You know, that was the, like, how could you, you know, like you just got to do the work. And it used to just absolutely eat me alive that I think like I've given my heart and soul to these guys and like I, I you know like this was just a learning curve for me around learning how to um I guess manage my own emotions yeah. and control the controllables as well so when I look at those situations I think I really enjoy managing the high performers because you're not teaching them how to sell real estate you're teaching them how to level up their businesses you're teaching them how to build a business you're teaching them how to you know like have more of a lifestyle and more of a life you know you're actually adding to their businesses in ways that are tangible yeah you know like you know when you're saying like what does success look like for you this year and they're saying oh you know to have three holidays cool well let's book them now okay well I can't book them now why not can you not afford it yeah I can afford it okay well cool let's book them now because if we've got them booked them in them in we'll make them happen and then we're going to create a plan around you know how you monitor your your listings and how you monitor your stock and how you monitor your team so that you've got space to have those three holidays and then, you know, when they come back from their first holiday and they're so happy and crying because they've never had a holiday or they've never been able to leave their business for a month of time or whatever, and we've been able to create that for them, yeah. um, that's what success looks for like for them this year. It's not about building another million dollars in their GCI. It's about remaining married. You know, like it's such a strange thing. But, you know, I, I have asked that of a salesperson and they said, look, you know, it would be just to get through the year and still be married. Like, okay, what do we need to do to achieve that? So the conversations, I feel like they're so much more rewarding and fulfilling with high performers. And I really enjoy connecting with them on a, on a business level, um, not just, a, you know, what are your KPIs? How many phone calls have you made? How many doormats have you done? Kill me now. Which is, yeah, they're, um, yeah, they're, they're nowhere near as interesting, those conversations, right? And so you're, um, it sounds like people are prepared to be um, a little bit vulnerable with you. Yeah, I, I feel like, um, you know, that's one of the things that I've enjoyed about the journey of purchasing the, the new businesses because we'd um, purchased an established team. Obviously, there's a lot of trust and time and I, foolishly, I thought that I could nail it in six months. Um, it took a little bit longer. Uh, we've just had our first year anniversary, but I think also if you're prepared to be vulnerable with people, they often return serve. Yeah. And I'm a really normal down to earth kind of person. So when, you know, when I am meeting someone or getting to know them, like, you know, I do share and I probably look at times and probably after a few grey goose, I probably overshare. Um, I've never seen that. Never. No, babe. We've never had those conversations, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I feel like sometimes that's okay, you know, and it's not, uh, it's not about pouring your heart and soul out or wearing your heart on your sleeve because I've certainly learned some tough lessons there. Yeah. Um, but it's about, you know, being open to having conversations that you wouldn't normally have and particularly with high performance because usually they're the ones that no one wants to have with them. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, even around people's mental health, that can be a really, really difficult conversation to have. But, you know, like when you're around somebody and you start to get to know them, you can tell when there's something wrong. You can see, and I can see it in their figures. 
most high performers, the first place you can see where there's something wrong in their life is in their figures. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, you mentioned that it, you thought it would take six months to sort of be in the new office and it's sort of taken 12. What were the challenges that you, um, you faced in that time? How long have you got, Dom? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, I guess, because obviously, like, I um, I made the mistake of saying to somebody uh, before I bought the new offices, when they were like, oh, you know, what's next? Well, I said, oh, I think I need something more because I'm getting a little bit bored. I've, like, done myself out of a job here. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I feel like my offices don't really need me anymore. Like we've got great people, we've got great structure. And it was actually my business tutor. And she said, yeah, Hayley, that's the goal in any business though, to have a business that doesn't depend on you to breathe, right? Right. And I was like, yeah, that's that's great. And so then I went on a um, tirade and bought some businesses that really needed me to breathe. So I've been breathing for them for the last 12 months. Um, but in saying that, it's been the challenges I think for me were, there was a lot of things. One of the most important things was the change piece. So that change management plan around rolling two completely different cultures together, although they were within the same brand, um, the ethos of the businesses were very different. So what I probably didn't realise is that people that, like my OGs that have been with me since 2016, they're used to all this energy, right? They're used to, hello, how are you? <laughs> You know, it doesn't phase them. Yeah. But, you know, when you're meeting people, um, you know, for the first time and they're not used to that level of energy and excitement and engagement and, like, used to somebody that, like, wants to know them, like, wants to, you know, like, wants to know about their life, wants to engage with them, wants to be there for them, wants to give because I'm kind of like a... Um, like I had it in my sales business as well. I was a giver. So I'd be like, give, 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 get. You know, it was always kind of something that I didn't intend for it to be like that. But it's just who you are. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, these guys were really like, whoa, you know, like, but how much is that going to cost? I'm like, nothing. Down, girlfriend. Yeah. 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 They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, and whereas I'm like, let's all get together. Let's go on this yacht. It'll be so wonderful. We'll get to know each other. It's going to be amazing. Um, and they're like, well, they're a competitor in my marketplace. And I was like, it's okay let's just like you know break some bread get to know each other and the next time you compete in the marketplace it's gonna you know feel a lot differently and you know what was amazing about it um I just had to believe in that because I had no idea and sure enough the relationships that have grown into office have been really really impressive yeah. um and slowly but surely we have just really built this like one united culture and I had so many people say to me Hayley you're never going to get those four officers to like each other yeah I was like really yes I will damn it mm. <laughs> yes they will love me and no it was very much you know it was just I guess that was one of the big challenges also process was a big challenge choosing a CRM because they were different CRMs and they were different you know like all of those things that um, you think that should be easy. You could just go in. But if you changed everything the moment that you walked in the door, I would have burnt the place down. Whereas, you know, like I did have to be really transparent and say, look, we probably are going to change everything. But I promise you I won't do it tomorrow. Yeah. I'll do it slowly and I'll do it surely and we'll do it in consultation with each other so that we might make the right decision for the entire business, not just this business or that business. Because it's not about one office anymore. It's about four. Yeah, so that does that process does take um, yeah it does take a really long time. 
Uh, I know when I first started at Lang and Simmons 27 years ago, um, I um, I realised very quickly that all the franchisees hated each other and they hated head office even more. And I went to my GM at the time and said, we've got two choices, either, either I go and find another job mm-hmm. um, or we roll out a plan to fix this and it's going to take some time and it's going to take some, some you know, financial commitment. Um, but like you, we... I knew that people would like each other if we gave them the opportunity to connect in a more authentic way. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's what you do. But, yeah, it takes time. And it's life-changing. Like, you know, and the reality is we have so many things in common, you know, and bringing all of these people together. One, they were all, you know, nice people. Um, and, like, even now, one of my greatest wins in that whole transition is that we only lost one salesperson. Wow. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, but, you know, we've grown, you know, like we've recruited a number of high performers into the business since then. But my one loss is still a personal, like, heartbreak. You know what I mean? Because I was like, oh, I hate avoidable loss. But anyway, um, you know, the the learnings from that was great too. And you kind of looked at it and went, okay, so the people that stayed, you know, all of those other salespeople, why did they stay? You know, like, what was it? Like, what learnings could I take away from that? transition that we'll utilize next time because it's not just luck you know there's so much planning and there's communication plans and you know getting everybody in you know like this probably sounds silly but like you've got your change champions and you've got you know your change management quadrant and moving everybody along and do they feel settled do they align with the values do you do they understand where our vision is you know are they happy to jump on the fast moving train you know, and and then we move them from rebels or yes people into the change champion quadrant and then we were happy. Next one. Yeah. And so how do you work out how to actually make that happen? One of the big things that um, most people kind of skip over in their journey is their lowlights, right, in their kind of, in their highlight reel of their business. And in the first year of our business, um, I learned some super, super tough lessons. Um, because I'd been a salesperson since I was 18. So I knew how to sell houses. No one ever taught me how to run a business. So in those first few years of business, I learned some really, really, really tough lessons. Um, I had a business partner that embezzled money from the company. Um, I had a hacker um, call and convince my receptionist to send $35,000 to Bali. I had like so many things that you just think like it's almost like a... This all can't be happening, yeah. Yeah, this can't be real. Like this cannot be real, like next level. And when I look at these situations, I just kind of look back and go, wow, learned that one the hard way. Um, But what I did get to do was enroll in business school. um, And that was a BDO financial education program um, that I had. And I did the first year three times because I wasn't really listening the first time. What happened the second time? The second time I probably was like half in, half out. Didn't really like the financial management module. Didn't really know. It still hadn't opened my zero. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to hear it. And then the third year, I was like, holy shit, if I'm going to turn this business around. I need to understand this stuff. Yeah, I need to understand this stuff. It's not about selling houses. It's, you know, it is about the financials. It is about strategy. It's about having, you know, a plan. It's about, you know, it's not just, I can't just sell another three houses and that's going to fix my problems. 
because another problem will, you know, pop up and I've got to be prepared for that. So that was a really, really great opportunity for me to learn the other side of the business. And now I get the benefit of being able to teach other salespeople how to grow their businesses using, you know, a lot of those, you know, strategies and processes. So I feel like that was really good investment spent. Yeah. So where did you go and do that? Originally, it was a company called Consolidate. They sold to BDO Australia. Ah, okay. Yeah, so BDO being the accounting firm, and I think yeah. they've now repackaged it as BDO Financial Education, I think. Okay. Different, it is a different course to what I did probably um, five years ago or so, but, um, you know, the, the content and the learnings and the mentorship that I had from um, the owner of that business then was just amazing, life-changing. Yeah, interesting. I'll never forget um, uh, when I did my MBA because, uh, like you, I you know I was a salesperson, and um, but I decided that I needed to be, be be better educated. So I went back to university at the age of forty and did my MBA, and um, and my now chairman um, was a good friend of mine, and he had a, had a background as an accountant. And I rang him and said, "I can't do it. This financial management stuff's doing my head in." And he said, "All right, come in." And and I kept on going. But why? But why? But why? Because it didn't make any sense to me, right? Yeah. And uh, just the way that accountant, uh, they, just the way they do it. And he's, he, the end, he said to me, Leanne, if we're going to get through this as friends, you are just going to have to accept that's the way that it is. And it's like, all righty then. Um, but yeah, it was, um, yeah, when you're not, when it's not, when it doesn't come naturally to you, it, um, I don't know about you, but I get, I procrastinate um, and I get really stressed and I get very short, very direct. And everyone's like, my God, what's wrong with her? Hmm. It's having a D profile moment. Yeah. It's a D profile. Totally. Yeah, totally. The D profile having to become a, um, you know, more analytical in their, um, um, in their behavior. And it just doesn't, li- I don't like it. No, 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 it's not fun, but like good on you. I mean, I actually think I have so much admiration for the fact that you went back at 40 to do your MBA. It's definitely on my list. I don't know if I'll make it by 40, but it's definitely, definitely on my list. And, you know, for one of the reasons that because I went from high school to being behind a real estate desk, I don't have any other formal education. And I'm like, love to have an MBA. Wow. I'm going to have to start with something else. Holy. Yeah, well, for me, I, I was the same, right? I, I studied to become a valuer. I went straight into um, into real estate straight from school, but I studied at night to become a valuer. But um, I just thought, I just I just wanted to do it for me. And you know, I'm I'm still proud. Twenty years yeah. later, I'm still proud that I actually um, I actually did it because it wasn't easy. Oh well, I'll be calling you for notes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, what is next for you? Oh, we've got some really cool things on the boil um, at the moment. And I, um, yeah, I think for me, there's been some good lessons in the last year around, you know, growth for growth's sake. So I think I was like, okay, that's actually a really good point. Um, You know, I think the important part is actually the people. So it's not just growing, you know, because you can. It's growing with the right people in mind. And um, I think I'm on the lookout now for those next people in our business to kind of help us go to the next level. But we've got some pretty big, hairy, audacious goals, as per usual, that we set in our five-year plan. And, um, you know, it's I'm always 
really keen for acquisitions and mergers. And now that, you know, I've done that a couple of times, I feel really, um, I feel really blessed to have been through it and to have those learnings. So I'm like, good, next time um, I'm going to do this. And they're like, hang on a moment. Didn't I just hear you say you're never going to do that again? I was like, yeah, but I was joking. Um, (laughs) That was last week. (laughs) Oh, that was fine. We're moving on. Um, But, you know, I think there's just, I feel like there's this really cool piece. And I don't know if you've ever felt this before, but I feel like there's just a bit of a gap sometimes, um, you know, for business owners where, you know, like nobody teaches you how to be a business owner. No. Especially in real estate, because most people are not real estate, but, you know, they've come from real estate agent to business owner or high-performing salesperson to business owner or property manager to business owner. And I feel like there's a real legacy piece for me that I want to grow and help other people learn to do that within our business. So um, I'm pretty excited with the leadership team that we have and in kind of teaching them and engaging them more so in how the business side of the business in the next year or two as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think our growth really lies in them understanding the commercial reality of why we make these decisions in our businesses. And, um, you know, I've got a, a property management director that's been with me for almost seven years now. And um, it's beautiful because she actually says to people sometimes, and I've heard her say it, it's not even been in front of me, that I used to wonder why Hayley would make the decisions that she made too. And now I know why. Um, and and that is page turning because now I don't have that seed of doubt sitting there because they know the business side of the business. You know, like I've been able to work with Emma on the commercial realities of property management. So now she has that big picture overview and she's thinking holistically. She's not just thinking about the problem right in front of her. Yeah, that's a fantastic, um, that's a fantastic lesson. We, um, we have identified, you know, like so many others, um, that, that absolute gap in the market. And at Lang & Simmons, we've um, built a leadership program for our business owners. And we had a, um, we had a recruitment um, retention session yesterday and we had existing business owners up on stage talking about what they did badly with recruitment. I was one of them. And what yeah. they did well. Um, and so that was a really that was a really enlightening um, and really enlightening conversation. But yeah, that whole that whole business piece. Whenever we get those financial metrics, um, as somebody to sort of talk us through those, you can see all of the salespeople in the room just their eyes just roll in the back of their head. So it's a matter of getting them engaged in what's important in their business as well, right? Oh, absolutely. And I feel like. Um, in the last year, I've been able to work with a couple of our high performers on, you know, building rent rolls and the importance of this and stability and how this looks inside their business. And we're so lucky because we have so much freedom and flexibility within the franchise to do whatever we like really inside of our business. Like the framework is, you know, thinking bigger. So from, you know, from my salespeople's perspective, they have the ability to grow their own rent rolls. And, you know, once I start to drill down into what the actual value of a rent roll is and what it means to them from a sales pipeline perspective and what they can expect to sell off that rent roll and how we could, you know, like if they have, you know, 50 sales a year that's coming off their rent roll, you know, and potentially they're losing 25 of those. So they've got a 50% conversion. What can we do to block that little hole for them so that they're not losing 50? So they're only losing 10, you know, and, and it's really enlightening like moments where they're like, because you're actually equating to actual sales and sales is usually what they understand. Sometimes it's not even about comp. It's about, you know, the real what's in it for them. And I feel like most of the time my job is a sell job. It's just not a tell job. You know, like I'm getting to really sell to them the benefit of growing their business and then watch them grow something amazing. 
And of course, you know, what's in it for me? They stay in our business for years. We have lots of 15, 20, 18, 25 year old veterans in our business yeah. that, you know, like it's it's awesome that they're so sticky and it's so sticky because, you know, we're there to help them grow their business. It's not a single agenda. Yeah. That's amazing. I think they're very lucky to have you as a business owner. I don't think I need to ask why you're able or how you're able to recruit high performers. I think it's very clear um, in just everything that we're talking about right now, why people come to you. Thank you. Oh, that's so nice. What was your mistake or your your win in recruitment? Uh, in recruitment, um, there's been a few. Um, firstly, um, I don't, I'm not a micromanager, um, and so if someone says to me, yep, it's done, yep, it's done, yes, yep, it's done, I will assume that, yes, it's, it's done and there's no problems. Um, and it was only when I had an event manager run screaming literally in tears out of the building with my conference six weeks away that I actually delved in to find nothing had been done. I'd done all of the booking of venues and speakers 12 months out um, but no sponsors, no attendees, nothing had been done. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Panic. It was first time in my life I've ever had to go to the doctor and say I need sleeping tablets because I can't sleep. I didn't sleep for two weeks. It was terrible. But anyway, the conference was amazing and no one would know. That's right. It's like a duck, right? Just get it done, love. Get it done, right? Um, the other one is... Um, making a decision, thinking, you know what, I can't keep on looking for somebody, this person will be fine, but re not realising that they didn't, uh, the values didn't align. Yeah. Um, and um, the last one was having a person I really liked um, who couldn't actually do the job I employed them to do, so I changed the job around to suit her. And that's okay in a big enough business. There was a role that, that she was really good at, but I didn't need that role right now. I needed the stuff that she couldn't do, and I let that go too long before I dealt with it. So those are three lessons for you, young lady. <laughs> Thank you. I am going to listen back to this, and I'm going to write that down. I just didn't want to, like, break my attention to find a pen for a second there. But that's that's really that's really interesting about building the um, – about building – their role around a person because I feel like I've also been kicked in the face with that a couple of times too and it's like oh, I just wanted that to work so much yeah exactly I really wanted it to work but sometimes you've just got to bite the bullet and say you know what this is not the job I need done right now and I don't have the finances to do both so what's more important and it's like you know why does Haley make those decisions why does Leanne make those decisions because they're the hard decisions that the person signing the check needs to make Yep, somebody's got to be accountable for the big stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. On that note, we talk too much, just saying. Um, I could, um, as we already know, we could chat about all this stuff forever, but it's been so lovely to, um, to find out a little bit more about your journey. And um, like I said, I'm not surprised that you're able to build such a great team around you. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. It's always such a pleasure to catch up. Um, and, yeah, I really, really appreciate you thinking of me. So thank you. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Courageous Conversations with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agency's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.